Welcome to Current Affairs Taiwan. We have a great Taiwan sound-themed show for you today. Mike, what have we got coming up? Well, in between the noise and the garbage trucks, we've got uh, the Chinese fishing boats attacking Taiwan Coast Guard boats. We've got uh, the market crash here, the pressure on the local workers, and of course the National Immigration Office has uh, put out an amnesty for them. Uh, Li Mingjia, it's now the three years since he was arrested and jailed. The death penalty has been phased, is going to be phased out. Uh, New Tide and, and Sue, meanwhile, and the DPP are clashing. And Han Goyu, I know you're not going to believe this, but he's going even more bald. And finally, in the KMT, Johnny Chung is coming back to old formulas and not even putting them in new bottles. Stay tuned. It's going to be a great show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Current Affairs Taiwan. I'm Michael Turton. And my partner in commentary is Donovan Smith, and he's here with a sad word from our sponsor. Yes, unfortunately, May Jam has been canceled, according because of course the coronavirus. Uh, but it will be back next year. Uh, and t- check out MayJam.com for updates, uh, or check them out on Facebook. So, what have we got in the show, Mike? We got a lot going on in Taiwan, and not all of it, believe it or not, not all of it has to do with coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> you really remember the days before that. coronavirus? <laughs> They're fading away like a dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, this week, there was some stuff with the Chinese uh, military flight of aircraft uh, flying near Taiwan at night, which apparently they have not done before. And then a clash with the Chinese Coast Guard. What happened with that? Yeah, a 10, um, let me see if I can find the um, the article here. Uh, basically, this was kind of weird. This is the newest Coast Guard uh, patrol vessels. They have two of them out there. And this was near Jinmen County. And they were removing some illegal fishing nets uh, from some Chinese boats. And they were, so they were cracking down on that. And then a whole series uh, or 10 speed boats attacked them rammed them through rocks and empty alcohol bottles at the at the Taiwanese Coast Guard. Uh, it says here, quote, then several Chinese fishing boats concentrated their attack on the CP-1022 cutter and took turns to ram it. It became a dangerous situation, so Coast Guard personnel decided to fire non-lethal ordnance to repel the Chinese boats. So that included six stun grenades and five beanbag rounds. And this apparently cost $6.6 million uh, to build this thing, but it's going to take 1.2 million to repair it, yeah. which is pretty shocking. Which now, of is course, a, a good trade for China, right? Yeah, I mean, cheap boats, and you get rid of, uh, and you cost Taiwan a lot of money. Yeah, and of course, now this sounds like oh, they're just fishing boats, right? But we know that the Chinese fishing boat fleet, or at least a good chunk of it, is basically deputized uh, to work with the the People's Liberation Army, Navy, and the Coast Guard for China. They have uh, special equipment on a lot of the boats, and some of them have uh, armored hulls, if if I recall. If you look up Lyle Goldstein's piece on it, where he calls uh, uh, it China's seaborne militia. Yeah. The Chinese Chinese Coast Guard is huge, and then the fishing fleet is just a set of auxiliaries for it. So... It's a real threat, not only for us, but also for well, Vietnam and uh, Indonesia, where there's a massive fishing base I read this week that that uh, 
that uh, the Chinese have a massive fishing base, but I can't remember where, but it poaches in Indonesian waters. So I think it's their biggest fishing base outside China. So let's, uh, let me move to a question then. Hui, whom we know from the KMT legislative list during the election, he was one of the most controversial choices of that party, a retired general, and uh, apparently very pro-China. He was, uh, he had a few comments. What were they done with? Yeah, well, <laughs> um, Wu Hui, of course, is the KMT lawmaker who is famous for going to China and attending a speech given by Xi Jinping and standing for the national anthem of the People's Republic of China and uh, giving information out on, I think it was Hong Kong TV, suggestions to the to the People's Liberation Army on how to defeat the United States militarily. Now, he's a retired brigadier general. So he says here, there's a huge difference between Chinese warplanes flying around Taiwan and intruding into its airspace, and the former should not be deemed provocative, just as U.S. aircraft flying by the nation should not be deemed provocative, neither should Chinese aircraft, who wrote in a question to the executive UN on Wednesday. So no, of they're, course they're equivalent. <laughs> right. So there's there's two obvious problems with this. I, I think that what he meant by airspace is actually crossing. There's been kind of an unofficial line in the in the middle of the Taiwan Strait that traditionally they do, they that you don't cross. And I think right. that's what he's referring to, not actually airspace. Right. But and of course the other is. Um, now, as he goes on here, any assumption that such moves are provocative lacks a legal basis and the ministry should avoid crying wolf and causing panic, according to <laughs> Wu. So but, what do you think? Do you think that uh, these flybys by the People's Liberation Army Air Force and the U.S. Air Force are exactly the same? They're almost exactly the same, except that the U.S. has never threatened to murder everyone in Taiwan and, and grab the island so maybe they're not the same at all but uh well not since the 19th century but yeah (laughs) (laughs) no then they wanted to buy the place okay that was to be a peaceful transfer (laughs) (laughs) but uh i think um what we're looking at here is of course part of that long-term problem of uh the salami slicing ever so often the chinese you know, it goes in spasms or cycles, and then every so often they up it, like the mm-hmm. night flight. They, you know, they increase it. And this is what they do all over. They do it in the Himal with Bhutan. They do it against Japan and the Senkakus. So, and of course, they're doing it now with Vietnam, too. They've been moving research vessels into Vietnamese waters. So it's part of a long-term thing that they're doing all around their borders. Oh, but they're just research vessels and they're just okay. fishing vessels. Now, here's actually an interesting question. Those yeah. fishing vessels, when they attacked the Coast Guard uh, ships, were they acting under orders or were they under acting under permission or did they just do it on their own? It's it, it's so hard to tell, right? Because everyone yeah. has deniability. Uh, yeah. Because the people on the bottom will, will take, a, take a hit for the ones on top. Oh, we did that on our own. Mm-hmm. Officially, so, of course, it's going to be that they were on their own. <laughs> right. So we, uh, there was a big stock market crash as a result of oh, I, uh, coronavirus. I'm trying not to mention it, but, you know, it sneaks into the news so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, before In this Taiwan. whole thing, yeah, yeah, before this whole thing, uh, it was pushing 12,000, the Tyx, and now and it's 8,000 something right now. Oh, my. 
although they announced the National Stabilization Fund would start intervening, and then there was a quick spike, but then it plunged again today. Right. Yeah. And I guess the report said that foreign investors have been pulling out of Taiwan since the beginning of the year. Yeah, I so, suspect they're pulling out of stocks everywhere. Yeah. They no also uh, made it so that you can't short stocks. So that means that a lot of foreign investors or any investors can't really hedge their bets. So presumably that, that's why they're just pulling the money out. Right, right. Wow. So in the, and the uh, national immigration uh, people came out with a new policy this, this week, right, mm -hmm. on foreign workers, on uh, illegal runaways, right? Oh, e visa overstayers, yeah. Visa overstayers, yes, that's it. I mean, the implication is that it's, you know, I think what they have in mind or what they're trying to imply is they're, they're looking at um, migrant workers who've run away from their work often because of abuse, low pay, that kind of thing. Right. Um, although I think technically it applies to any visa overstayer. Well, that's good. But mm -hmm. A lot of these migrant workers have gone places where they now, they provide crucial labor. So yeah. giving an amnesty is only half of the issue. The other issue is addressing these businesses and especially farms. When I was up in uh, uh, Uling Farm a couple of years ago, one of the things I was told was that uh, the hills around that area are filled with, uh, and Lishan as well, that area, are filled with runaways who now work on the farms for food and a little cash. Yeah. And so this is a situation that Taiwan, it's, it's part of the larger problem of labor here, right? Mm -hmm. So... Some of them are what they call mountain rats, which is an illegal logging business. But a lot of them oh, are doing right. very legit work that's actually very necessary. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's there's been a bunch of these cases where uh, they they offer a lot of money to tea pickers in Nanto. And the the fact is they can't get young Taiwanese, even though they, they can make, you know, 30, 40, 50,000 in a month doing this. Right. The money's decent. But they can't get anyone to do it. And so what they, so what happens is you keep seeing these stories of these little trucks up in those little mountain roads and they'll go off a cliff and a whole bunch of people die or in, get injured. And they're usually all Taiwanese in their 70s. Yeah. So they really need these people up there to help. Yep. One of the things that I, uh, uh, among my Filipino friends, I keep hearing the same story in the last couple of weeks that they are now the sole breadwinner for their entire family. I mean, even extended families because many of the small communities in Philippines are now on lockdown and the pressure on the foreign labor force here, the financial pressure is very strong, very difficult yeah. time for people here. So, I mean, I, I, I hope they're able to keep sending money back because it sounds like it's going to be necessary. Yeah. It's going to be very bad in Phil's. Now the, the thing about this amnesty I should probably note is that it goes to the end of June and essentially, the amnesty is this. They won't detain you, which they normally do. They are going to provide a small fine, which I think is 2,000 NT, something like that. And they will also allow these people to come back, whereas usually they're banned from coming back. So this is a whole lot. It, it, it's still and they're still they're still going to be sent overseas eventually, but they're going to be sent back home. But relatively speaking this is about as it's not really in amnesty when you think about it but there it's it's in other words they're doing this so that they can get as many people as possible and move them out and then um and and with a very with a basically a slap on the wrist 
However, right. they turned around and said, starting on July 1st, they're going to tighten their existing regulations and they're going to launch a nationwide crackdown. So well, this is very much a carrot and a stick. What's going to happen to these people when they can't go home? I mean, yeah, some I, countries aren't going to let them go back. I'm thinking so. that probably what they'll do is they'll just keep them here until they can fly them out. Yeah. I don't know. Months. Yeah, could it's be. Gonna be very, very bad. So, uh, today is the anniversary of what? A terrible anniversary. Yeah, very the terrible. Ming does uh, arrest and detention in China. And now mm -hmm. it's been, what, three years? Three years. Yeah, Li Mingzhe, you may recall, was a democracy activist who had gone to China and he was arrested there for, you know, anti-state state subversion. Abortion. State subversion, yes, that's the way. That's um, specifically for subversion of state power by using online discussion groups to disseminate information attacking the Chinese government and for supporting the families of Chinese dissidents. Yeah, very sad. I hope they release him soon. Yeah, and his wife has been quite quite a hero. Uh, and she's been working so hard uh, to try and get him out, keeping attention on the issue, um, you know, and she's talked to, I think, the UN and a lot of international groups trying to secure his release. But and now they're, they're not, not even letting her visit because of the coronavirus. So, right. Yeah, it's very, very sad. All right. So we've got some uh, local political things going on. The DPP said they're going to gradually, gradually phase out the death penalty. Mm -hmm. uh, they were talking about that, even though I think everyone knows the death penalty is widely supported in Taiwan, 80% support at least in most polls. So I think they're very, they, you know, they're very quiet. They want to do this because they don't want to create another election issue that the KMT can exploit in the next round of elections. But uh, they've been winding down the amount of executions. So... Now, what's interesting, though, is that also uh, under the Ma, Ma administration, they did the same thing. Yeah, elites are way ahead of the curve here, but the public strongly supports the death penalty. There's a very much an eye for eye, tooth for a tooth thing going on here. Mm -hmm. So, and what's going on in the DPP with the new tide and Su Zansang? All right, so former uh, Zhanghua County Commissioner Wei Minggu, he lost to Wang Huimei in... 2018 of the KMT. So they appointed him the head of the Taiwan Water Corporation. Now, he just resigned rather abruptly, kind of out of the blue. And so initially, the first articles, and there's a fair, fair amount of coverage on this. The first article said that he's probably preparing to run for county commissioner again in 2022. Now, that would be significant because there's also talk of Lin Jialong possibly being the candidate for Taichung mayor. No, please. Um, <laughs> no, 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 just no. Well, the, there's also there's another possibility um, as well. But so but that but basically what's interesting about this is that both uh, Lu Xiuyan and Wang Huimei have been regularly in those Commonwealth polls of both the administration and them personally have been in the bottom four in the nation. Yes. So if the DPP were to send these same candidates back and defeat the KMT, that would be very embarrassing for the KMT. And then, of course, we've got the Han Guoyu um, recall going on here, um, in which I would be very curious to see if they if the DPP runs Chen Chi Mai as their candidate, if the recall uh, vote passes. 
Um, but then the then a second series of articles here came out where they're basically saying that the new tide faction in the DPP is very upset with both the the stepping down of Wei Mingu and some other personnel choices by Su Zhenzang, the premier. And so they're upset with him. And, and one guy went out so far to say it was a new Soviet Union, which is a play actually on Su Zhenzang's surname. Oh, come on. Um, so there, there seems to be a lot of heat around this issue, and I don't really know where it's going to go. This kind of stuff is so... Uh... It's so destructive. And every election cycle, there's someone like Yang Chou-Shing, right, who left in a huff and then went to work for the KMT. Yang Chou-Shing was uh, one of the, he wanted the mayorship of uh, Kaohsiung and instead went to Chunji. So he left in a huff and went over to the KMT. There's uh, the TPOF head. Uh, what's his name? The guy who runs the Taiwan Public Opinion Foundation. He had a falling out with the DPP as well. Oh, is that Michael Tsai, I think? No, no, no. That's oh, no, Yo I'm mixing him up with someone else. All right, yeah. yeah. And he, uh, he he supported, uh, oh, look, they're playing our song. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't we sing along? <laughs> <laughs> and he supported Lai, uh, Lai in the primary before grudgingly supporting Tai in the election. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> our, our sound engineer is sending out messages of doom on our... <laughs> <laughs> our chat box here. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think it's, uh, I, I think that the, um, it's nice that we're being honored. They're playing our song. I think they're that serenading us below the window. They're serenading us. Yes. I, I, I think this should definitely stay part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So what's up next? What's up next? We were talking about Han Goyu, who's going more bald. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this was kind of funny. He's complaining now. He said in this last year, he said first there was dengue fever, and now there's the the novel coronavirus is the term he used. And he said that his hair is is half gone white, and that his job is very hard, and he's and he's going even more bald. And even more um, bald. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even more bald. So, um, yeah, so he's basically complaining about his job, which seems like a, a not a very good thing to do in the run-up to a recall. No, and can you imagine if he'd been elected president? My God. Uh, yeah, uh, it would have been a lot more entertaining, and there would have been a lot more for us to discuss and write about. But I, honestly, I'm pretty happy that right now the Thai administration is handling the whole coronavirus thing very professionally, very boring, technocratic, following the, the scientific experts' advice. It's so dull. You know, this boring techni technocratic thing, you know, it's, it's for analysts and pundits. This is, you know, this, that's just terrible. There's no red meat for us. <laughs> There's Say, a little red meat down with Johnny Chang, right? The new KMT chairman this week. He yeah. Said he was both Taiwanese and Chinese. Yeah, let's see here. I have the quote here. Um, he said, I was born and raised in Taiwan. I am Taiwanese. Well, okay. Uh, and he may or may not be Hakka or part Hakka. But anyway, uh, he's been in, been in, his family's been in Taiwan for hundreds of years. But then he goes on and says, from the perspective of blood origin, culture, and history, I am also Chinese. And he goes on further, on the basis of the constitution of the ROC, I am an ROC national. Now, to me, I, I mean, what do you think? This, to me, sounds boilerplate KMT. It's boilerplate KMT. It's, more importantly, it's boilerplate Ma Ying-jeou. 
That yeah. was how that was how he got himself elected, right? Every election he would grit his teeth and say, I'm Taiwanese. Oh. <laughs> and then a month after the election, that would disappear. <laughs> but, you know, he was able yeah. to do that. And I think Johnny Chang is positioning himself in the same way, right? Yeah. They have to do this if they're going to get the young. They have to reposition the KMT as a Taiwanese organization. This is going yeah. to be very difficult. Did Hong Xiu-Zhu ever say she was Taiwanese? I don't remember that. Hang yeah. Goyu did. He said it yeah. several times, as I recall, in the in the Chinese language news. I, ne- I don't think I ever saw it in the English language news. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. But, uh, and, uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this is, uh, this is something they're going to have to do and can't see how it can be carried off. I mean, they're going to get young people into the party. How? Do they have any fresh new ideas? No. Well, they've jumped on board with the dropping the age to the voting age to 18, which yeah, all which the all the parties are supporting right now. Oh, good. Then maybe it'll actually get done. Mm-hmm. But then are those 18 year olds going to switch to the KMT? No oh, all way. of them, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> they'll just they'll just set up a, a social networking platform for them. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, all they need to do is set up some social medias and <laughs> some uh, some stuff on the interwebs, and that that's it. And then and then all of a sudden, their winning ideology will be communicated and finally understood by the misguided youth. Ah, and they'll come to them like mice to cheese because it's social media. Mm-hmm. Ah. Precisely. See, that's all you well, need is, is social media. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, young people. You give them social media, and yeah, they just flock to it. Yeah. Speaking of which, there's a bunch. There's a couple of things circulating on the web that have been annoying me about this coronavirus. Uh, there was a great piece. You know how people are constantly claiming it's a manufactured virus that escaped from one of the Wuhan labs, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a nice piece uh, out. I think it was a New Scientist today or yesterday about how it's not. Uh, comparisons with wild viruses show that coronavirus has not been altered. It's a wild virus. It's not yeah. been modified by humans. So I think that's uh, important. And uh, the other thing that's been passed around today is you keep reading this thing where one of the Chinese mobile phone companies has lost millions of subscribers. Mm-hmm. Who must? And that with the implication, of course, that they're all dead, that they've been hidden. Mm-hmm. You know, that there there's millions of dead people that the Chinese government has hidden, which is absurd. It's 15 far more likely million, that, I think, is the number quoted. Yeah. yeah, It's far more likely that this is just a case of, hmm, do I really need the fourth mistress's phone? I don't think so. Yeah. I have to get by <laughs> with three mistresses during this period. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's called social distancing. They're being socially responsible. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> I mean, Little I think it's Johnny. worth pointing out when you, have, when, when you yeah. hear a number like 15 million, you know, cell phone accounts being canceled, that sounds really dramatic until you remember that there's 1.5 billion people in China. Or is it 1.6 now? I, I, it's it's I don't know what a it staggering number of people. Yeah. So 15 million is like a rounding error. <laughs> yeah. And you consider all the people who've lost their jobs and are in financial trouble because of the coronavirus. Yeah. 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 That's a pretty logical reason why a lot of them probably have just simply canceled their cell phone accounts yeah. if they've had they more than one particularly. Yeah. They can't that. afford to pay the bills, you know. Nope. Nope. All right. Well, uh, I think we've run out of things to discuss today. Yeah, I think and that pretty much covers everything. Yeah. 
Well, thanks for stopping by, folks, and listening in, and we'll see you again next week. This has been brought to you by the Taiwan Report. For more content like this, become our patron at report.tw. Birds. It can't. I hear the birds, but I don't think it's me. I don't hear. No. I don't have, there's no birds here. Hang, hang on a second. It's me. It's my. It's birds around me, and there's nothing I can do about it. No, the window's already closed because the, the birds. The birds nest underneath the air conditioner. <laughs> 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 Welcome to Taiwan. Uh, so, the f- yeah. <laughs> Let's try that again. All right, ready?